As the events of the end times unfold in today's world, it's vital for Christians to be faithful, strong, and steadfast. Does that describe you? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah wraps up his series, The World of the End, with practical, biblical steps you can take to build those qualities into your life. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, In the World of the End, Be Determined. Well, we're talking about something that all of us uh, have to deal with on occasion, and that is determination. Being determined to do the right thing, whether we feel like doing it or not. Um, I've often said if you never pray till you will feel like it, you probably won't pray very much. If you don't read your Bible till you feel like it, you probably won't read much of the Bible. Determination and discipline is a part of who we are, and we ought to always be asking God to help us be stronger and to strengthen our determination to do what is right. That's never been more true than in these prophetic days about which Jesus was speaking to his disciples. And if we don't have determination, the events that will take place around us that are beginning to take place even now will overwhelm us to such an extent that instead of being a victor, we'll be a victim. I encourage you to listen carefully to what Jesus said and to the words of this message as we talk about, in a world of the end, be determined. And don't forget, we're coming to a place near you if you live near Buffalo, New York. We're going to be there on the 11th of November. That's a Friday night. And with us that night will be Ernie Haas and Signature Sound and the Voices of Lee. The event is free, but you must have a ticket, and tickets are available from davidjeremiah.org slash tour. We hope to see you in Buffalo. I hope you'll come and be with us. Now let's get started with part two of In the World of the End, Be Determined. Talk about all you want to talk about that's happening, and I'm not even going to start it on the list because it'll derail us all, but none of these things should move us. You know Why? Because we're locked in place in the center of the will of God. And Jesus Christ is in our hearts and the Holy Spirit infills us. And whatever's going on out there, it might be uncomfortable and it might be something we wish desperately it wasn't happening. But what really is important is Jesus Christ is at the center of our lives and we're standing strong in him. You see, what everybody wants you to know is that all that's going on out there, that's reality. And what's going on inside is just sort of a quiet spirituality. Totally wrong. This is all temporary. This is permanent. Everything that's happening out here is headed toward a disastrous ending. Everything that's in here is headed toward eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. I am an eternal son of God, and so are you. An eternal daughter of God, if you're in faith. The Living Bible says this, Life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's mighty kindness and love. What a slogan that is. So what I want to encourage you to do today, I hope you're getting this message, is that in the midst of everything that's happening, the thing you need to do is be strong in the Lord. Know what you believe. Believe what you know. Don't be afraid to be a student and get stronger in the Word. But while these things are happening, put your anchor down deep and don't be moved. I shall not be moved. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to come with all these influences and move you off the sweet spot of your relationship with God. He has no other purpose than that. He wants to devour you and destroy your influence 
and remove you from the joy that is found in your walk with Jesus Christ. So you get up every morning and you say, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I shall not be moved. (laughs) I'm with you and you're with me. We're going forward together and we'll face whatever happens. Then there's personal stamina. Every once in a while I get a little tempted to be a little grammatical with you. I've told you before that I was an English major a long time ago. And I love grammar, and I love the way, if you look beyond the words, you find meaning that you wouldn't find if you didn't study it. So let me show you one situation like that. It's in our passage today. A careful analysis of Matthew 24 gives us a clue about the stamina we need to endure to the end. It's personal. So if you're a student, you will discover that biblical Greek can tell us some things we wouldn't know if we didn't study it. And I don't want to bring this up to make you feel like if you don't know Greek, you can't study the Bible. This is just a little nugget I want to leave with you. In the Greek language, the word you can be either plural or singular. And when we see the word you in English, we don't know what to think. But in the Greek language, you can tell that. The Greek language is different. For instance, Jesus used the plural you In these verses in Matthew 24, when you go through this with me, you'll understand what I'm saying. In Matthew 24, 2, he said, do you, plural, not see all these things? He's using you in the plural. In Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. He's talking to the group. In Matthew 24, 6, you, plural, will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you, plural, are not troubled. This is the the plural you. In Matthew 24, 9, then they will deliver you, plural, to tribulation, and kill you, plural, and you will be hated by all the nations. But there's a shift in Matthew 24, 13. It's a wonderful shift. The word translated he in that verse is not plural, but singular. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. We don't endure as a group. We endure as individuals. The you here, the he here is singular. He could have said, but you singular endure to the end. You singular will be saved. Isn't that interesting? Here in verse 13, Jesus spoke to you and to me as individuals. He was encouraging each of us to hang in there and keep on hanging in there for as long as it takes. Enduring as a follower of Jesus requires not only strength, but also perennial personal stamina. And so don't be afraid to take your stand for what you know is right and what God has communicated through his word. Then keep standing no matter what comes your way and remain steadfast until the end. As a pastor, I'm a pastor watcher. I watch other pastors. One of the most grievous things to me over these last few months and years has been to watch guys that I knew and respected who had strong positions on the social issues that the Bible addresses, but because of the pressure of their community, because of the pressure of the people they're trying to reach, they didn't go out with the right strategy. They changed what they believed. They went soft on the issues. They no longer declared, thus saith the Lord. They allowed the social pressure to come in and change what they said, and they lost their power. They lost their ability to make a difference. Listen, if all we are going to do is try to figure out how close we can get to what the world is, we got nothing to offer them. The world doesn't need what they already have. 
They already have people that are willing to give up their positions on no matter what situation they're in. But so many of the guys I know, and thankfully not all of them, but so many, I look up and I read an article and I think, oh my goodness, not another one. Not another one who used to believe what the Bible says, but now believes this. It's frustrating. It makes me more determined than ever. I'm going to be a grouchy old man to the end. I love that phrase, I shall not be moved. You're not going to change that. I'm not changing my position on that. As we approach the world of the end, we're going to have to learn what it means to strengthen our stand. And then we come to the satisfaction of our stand. Let's look at the last phrase of Jesus' promise. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, here's where I'm going to straighten out this apparently misunderstanding of this verse. A biblical word like salvation is similar to a diamond. It has many facets and many faces. That term occurs more than 150 times in the Old and New Testaments. And in different settings, it can refer to different things. For example, when the children of Israel were trapped by the Red Sea, Moses told them, do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He wasn't talking about being saved from your sin. He was talking about being saved from the Egyptians and the Red Sea. In that context, the word implied Israel's deliverance. In Romans 13, 11, Paul said this, Do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake it out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. He's talking to Christians who've already been saved. What he meant by that was, the moment when we were saved from this evil world and raptured to heaven. So here's the word salvation, not used for being saved from your sin, but being saved from a situation. In Acts 4.12, however, Peter put it the way we normally refer to it. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He's talking about eternal salvation of our souls from sin, death, and hell. What did Jesus mean then when he said, those who endure to the end will be saved? Well, let me tell you what this salvation is not. He was not teaching salvation by works. It's not our ability to endure that saves us. It is Christ alone. We can never erase the reality of our sin by being strong and having stamina. We are saved from sin by grace through faith. Our ability to endure to the end grows out of an intimate connection with Jesus, our Savior. We stand because we know him. We don't earn that connection by standing for him. Jesus was not promising us guaranteed safety shoots for every difficulty in life either. Jesus is very pointed about that. He said, these are his words, John 16, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. The Apostle Paul said, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution or tribulation or trouble. Can I get a witness? Isn't it true? When you know Jesus, there are some things that happen to you that wouldn't happen to you if you didn't know Jesus. Not all of them from the perspective of today are good things. You get ripped on because you're a Christian. Peter gave his readers the same warning. He said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing was happening to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings that when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. There is no attempt on the part of the Bible to tell us that if we become Christians, all is well. 
all is well between us and God, but life on this earth can be pretty brutal, and many of you know that. That's what salvation is not. What is this salvation? Jesus meant when he promised those to endure to the end being saved, it's as plain as daylight among the words of the Apostle Paul. For instance, in AD 64, the Roman Emperor Nero accused Christians of starting the fire that destroyed Rome. In his demonic rage, Nero came against believers with vengeance. As we saw earlier in one of our messages, the Apostle Paul was tracked down. He could have been betrayed by Alexander the coppersmith. Remember that? And he was thrown into a dungeon to await beheading. From there, he wrote his goodbye letter to the church. It was addressed specifically to Timothy, 2 Timothy, the first book I ever taught as a pastor. Listen to what Paul said at the end of his life. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. I believe that's what Jesus meant. This is the satisfaction of our stand. For those who endure to the end, the Lord will rescue them from evil and bring them safely to the heavenly kingdom. If we endure, we will be safely delivered to heaven by death or the rapture, one way or the other. So when he says those who endure to the end will be saved, he's not saying saved eternally. He's saying be saved out of the situation they're in, like the uh, people at the Red Sea and other places in the Bible where that word is used. So we have the strength of our stand and the stamina of it and the satisfaction of it Let's finish this in a strange way with the start of it. When we consider topics like endurance or perseverance or steadfastness, it's easy to think of them in the abstract or to project them into the future. When I face opposition in the future, I'll make sure to endure. Or when I'm old at the end of my life, I'll be sure to remember the importance of finishing strong. That's not how it works. The determination to follow Christ regardless of cost isn't something that just flashes into our souls as a moment of truth. It starts now and takes a lifetime to develop. It's a day-by-day process. It's not standing for him in the future by and by. It's standing for him tomorrow, tomorrow in the place where you work, not giving up ground to the enemy. This is a choice you and I need to make. There are some practical ways to get started, and I'd like to give you a couple of them. First of all, Determined to run the race. You say, well, pastor, doesn't every Christian determine to run the race? Not. A lot of Christians that you and I have met are determined to do one thing. Get saved so they can go to heaven. Forget everything else. And they feel like if they pray the prayer and they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, and if they genuinely do that, they're going to heaven. I remember reading a book one time where one of the writers said there are two great times in a Christian's life, the time when he gets saved and the time when he goes to heaven. Unfortunately, most Christians don't know what to do between those two times. They get saved, they go to heaven, but what's going on now? The Bible says there's something we're supposed to do. We're supposed to endure. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to not give ground when people try to push us off our beliefs. This is a choice we make. We determine to run the race. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Not weekly, not monthly, not yearly. Take up your cross every day. Make up your mind that nothing will deter you from God's will, that no one's going to draw you from his path, and that no foe will defeat you and no sin will stop you. 
I mentioned earlier that followers of Christ must be prepared to endure trials of various kinds. Jesus himself promised that we would face tribulation. But here's a principle and a promise that can help us keep striving. Those trials, those tribulations can actually become fuel for our endurance. No matter what the world throws our way, we can recycle those experiences in such a way that through the power of God, our pain is transformed into power. Don't believe me. See what the scripture says? James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That's endurance. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The Bible says, you know how you learn to be steadfast? You know how to learn to be endurance, people? You go through trouble. That's the way it is. You don't have to endure if nothing's testing you. You can just float along with the tide. But when something comes against you, you have to decide, do I really believe this? Do I believe this enough to not be like everybody else? And this is where I stand no matter what else happens. Romans 5, 3-5 says not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Some people say, I used to pray for patience, but I quit doing that because the Bible says tribulation works patience. I don't need that. Trials and suffering can make it more difficult for us to run the spiritual course, but they don't have to. With God behind us and beside us, suffering becomes steadfastness. Pain becomes perseverance. Trials are transformed into a blessed hope that can carry us even toward perfection and completion. So how will you handle the bumps and bruises you receive in your effort to follow Christ? How will you do that? Will you allow them to slow you down or will you climb up on top of them and go forward? According to the scripture, you get to make that choice. Determined to run your race, determined to react with radiance. Speaking of choice, it's important that we address our own actions and attitudes and encounter difficult circumstances in the right way. What do I mean by that? Well, I've known some lemon-faced Christians in my day who were high on endurance but low on love. They were determined to persevere in the midst of persecution, but they made sure everybody around them knew how miserable they were in the process. And they made life miserable for many others who happened to encounter them in the middle of their race. That attitude is not what the Bible is talking about. It's not befitting of servants of the King of Kings. As Christians, we're called not only to run with endurance and finish the race, we have been commanded not only to be disciples of Jesus, but to make disciples for Jesus. And for that to happen, we have to reflect the love and grace and goodness of the one we follow, the Lord Jesus. My point is this, when we're confronted by all the ugliness Jesus predicted in the world of the end, we can respond by radiating the love of Christ. We can live as Paul commanded. We can rejoice in hope, we can be patient in tribulation, and we can continue steadfastly in prayer. So determine to run your race, determine to react with radiance, run your race happily, don't put your head down and become a martyr. Nobody wants to be around a martyr. You win people to Christ by being joyous in the midst of the thing, and a joy comes from your heart where Jesus lives. It's a joy inexpressible. 
Nobody can understand it if they're not a Christian. How can you be joyful in times of trouble? Finally, determine to reach your goal. This is a lifelong thing we're talking about here. So if you're a little bit discouraged that you haven't been doing this very well, there's still a lot of time you can do this. No matter where you are, I learned some stuff about my own life and about what I can do better, and I'm beyond where many of you are. Never a time to quit learning. Being steadfast in our service to God means choosing to run your race. Choosing to react to difficult circumstances with the radiance of Christ. And finally, choosing to run until you reach the end of your course. It means choosing to keep going until you reach your rest. I'm reminded of Shinzo Kanakuri, who was the first athlete to represent Japan in Olympic Games. This was the 1912 Olympics in Stockholm, and Kanakuri was an exciting newcomer for the marathon event. At just 20 years old, he had set a world record the year before. Expectations were very high. Unfortunately for Kanakuri, things did not go as planned. After a brutal journey from Japan that took almost three weeks, he was in rough shape prior to the start of the Olympic marathon. And to make matters worse, that event was run on an especially balmy day in Sweden with unexpectedly high temperatures and skyrocketing humidity. After about 16 miles into the race, Kanakuri faltered. He stumbled into a local garden and collapsed. He was eventually found by a Swedish family who nursed him back to health with raspberry juice, cinnamon rolls, and a comfortable bed. (laughs) Despite that kindness, the Japanese runner was mortified at his own failure. He didn't know what to do. He quietly returned to Japan to deal with his shame. He left so quietly, in fact, that Swedish officials had no record of what happened to him. He was considered a missing person for almost 50 years. Thankfully, there's a happy ending to Shinzo Kanakuri's story. In 1967, Swedish officials arranged for the now elderly runner to return to Stockholm and finish the race. Starting where he had left the course all those decades ago, Kanakuri completed the course with a mind-boggling time of 54 years, 8 months, 6 days, (laughs) 5 hours, 32 minutes, and 20.3 seconds. Here's my point. Despite a long delay, Kanakuri completed the race. He reached the finish line, greeted by not only his children, but his grandchildren. Those are great rewards indeed. And that's the overwhelming message of Scripture. That's what I want to tell you as we end this series. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on that Jesus said would happen. We see some of it starting to happen now. It makes us nervous, uncomfortable. What is our call? Here's our call. Be determined. Be determined to stand where you know you should be. Be God's person in the middle of all this. Don't get pushed around by all this craziness. They can't make you believe what you don't believe. And some of those people, listen, they think because they don't believe it, it's not true. What you believe doesn't make something true. We know what's true. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And we've pinned our hope and our future on him. We stand before him and with him in the midst of the uncertainty of our world. So how's your determination doing? How are you dealing with the issues that are swirling around us at this time? We need to ask God to give us courage and strength and determination to face the challenges 
that our world is presenting to us. And as we learned last time, in the world of bad news, to be the good news, to shine brightly in the world that is dark. A light never shines so bright as when the world around it is dark. We have an opportunity to let our light so shine that men will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And I hope that you grab hold of that initiative with me and make that your determination. Well, tomorrow we're going to replay the interview that I did with uh, Sheila Walsh before the series began. It's always one of the most popular things we do because it encapsulates all of the teaching of the whole series in a discussion that we have together. We've been doing this now with all of our series, and it's one of the most popular things we do. Be sure and listen tomorrow when we talk about the world of the end and the interview with Sheila Walsh. I'm David Jeremiah. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Drop us a note if this ministry is encouraging you. Send it to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., B4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's powerful new book, The World of the End, How Jesus' Prophecy Shapes Our Priorities. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as Sheila Walsh chats with Dr. David Jeremiah about The World of the End here on Turning Point. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. A man who was on a strict diet came home with a luscious cake he saw in a bakery window. He told his wife that he knew the Lord would want him to buy the cake as a treat if a parking place opened up in front of the bakery. And sure enough, on the eighth time around the block, there it was, 
on empty parking space. That man was determined to justify his desires if it took a hundred trips around the block. He should have taken the Bible's advice to look for the way of escape that God always provides when we are tempted. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's ways of escaping temptation on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.